So I have to begin with just a moment of sincerity and honesty and tell you that my heart is very full um, as OSV innovation comes to life. I look at you and I feel like I'm at a Catholic family reunion. <laughs> and when that happens to me, I'm a convert, so it's a mix of this passion of being a convert and this uh, immense gratitude to be Catholic and immense gratitude for our church. And so I get a little silly when that happens to me, like I'll look at this rug and I'll be like, I love this rug. It's so great to be Catholic, <laughs> right? Or I'll be walking with my non-Catholic friends and seeing Catholics drinking coffee and I'm like, that is Catholic coffee, right? <laughs> because they have, these Catholics are drinking that coffee. And so my heart is very full, um, very, very full. Um, there's a quote that I love. It's, uh, it says, it's not good to live in one world and pray in another. Um, it's a quote that one of my sisters likes to say. I think that it really encapsulates our spirituality in my community of sisters. Um, and it comes to mind when I think about discernment. Um, and I feel like we've turned that word into like a four-letter word or like a trigger word. Um, and I noticed it when I started serving in vocation ministry, uh, helping out with my community in that way. Uh, we set up this very beautiful booth and we thought we're gonna stand by this beautiful booth and hundreds of women are gonna flock to the beauty of the booth and pour their hearts out about the discernment of God in their life. Um, and so reality, one woman stopped by. And, uh, <laughs> and when she started to speak, her face looked like this. And then when she thought about being, you know, what God might ask her to do, she quickly went to this. <laughs> And I'm thinking, you know, do you not like the booth? <laughs> like, should, is it the purple? Like, what happened? Um, I would actually go on in the years of helping out in that ministry to see that reaction over and over again. People kind of just disintegrating into heaps of tears um, when, when thinking about, like, what did God make me for and what is God calling me to? Discernment, this word discernment. And so we had taken something, I realized that, is really an element of our faith that pervades everything, discernment. It's a key aspect of our relationship and understanding our identity as sons and daughters of God. So we've taken something as simple as discernment, right? Just a simple word and turned it into this. And we've iced it with this like one eye open peering at the blessed sacrament like what is God going to make me do now that I'm old enough to have to ask the question, right? <laughs> and so I can get judgy, right? Because we've never seen a judgy Catholic or Christian before, right? <laughs> so I can get judgy. And so the quickest remedy for me for being judgy is to reflect on my own relationship with God. And so not only in my own life and discernment, not only was I constantly disintegrating in the heaps of tears, but I actually went and got a therapist. And when he asked me what my presenting concern was, I was like, discernment, man. Like, <laughs> I need a script. Like, it's hard, right? And so I had to pause as I was preparing and reflecting for this topic and just remember my own discernment. Um, I was working in banking. I had been working in banking for 10 years. Um, I was a vice president and I was an operations manager with a staff of about 200 and had transitioned into project management. And in the midst of all of that, God called me from being Baptist to being Catholic, and I had received the sacraments. Um, and was very grateful for that conversation with God in my life. Um, but I was one of those people who was like, okay, done. Now God and I are done talking. Back to me talking, right? <laughs> Back to me talking. But the Eucharist um, is like the ultimate slow game. And so with each reception of the Eucharist, you know, we're being transformed. And with each reception of the Eucharist, we're being made new, configured, right, degree by degree. 
And so as I continued to receive the Eucharist, it's like the world around me was opening up. Um, and it became very clear to me that my conversation with God was not over, and in fact, it was just constant, constant conversation. And so in an encounter with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, I felt called to religious life. Um, so I disintegrated in a heap of tears and feared and doubted, visited a convent, feared and doubted, very skeptically stayed over, feared and doubted, uh, got rid of my apartment, quit my job. I was driving home from quitting my job and I cried so hard that I had to pull the car over because I couldn't see. And then I had to sell that car that I was driving. <laughs> got rid of my clothes, feared and doubted. And what I realized as I reflect um, is that all those times I was fearing and doubting, disintegrating into tears, what I was struggling with was, Lord, I don't want to take this one step unless you can assure me that it's all going to work out. Like, I don't want to do the work of today, right, that you fed me to be able to do today unless I know for sure I'm going to be fed every day. And I actually think this is an age-old problem since the very beginning in the garden. This has been our age-old thing, right, today. So think about Adam and Eve in the garden. Eve is approaching this tree that God has given her an abiding law about. And it's a law that governs her actions today. But then the serpent approaches her and says, you know what, God doesn't want good for you. And the reason you have this abiding law is because he doesn't want good for you. But she has what she needs today. But then she starts to think, well, what about the future? And so she grasps at the future. She ceases her conversation with God, enters into a dialogue with the serpent, and sin enters the world. And then in Exodus chapter 16, we see that God is literally raining down food from heaven, okay? Like, they don't even know what it is. Mana is like, what is it? That's literally what that means. What is it? Let's eat it, right? <laughs> Just grabbing it off the ground. He's literally pouring down enough for today. And this food is literally only good today. We read in Exodus chapter 16 that by tomorrow it will go bad. So yesterday's food is not for today, and tomorrow's food is not for today. You get what you need for today. You gather it, you do the work, you are fed and provided for. And the rules are only gather enough for today. When the Sabbath is approaching, gather enough for two days. And we see in Exodus that on the Sabbath, even though God has said there will be no manna on the Sabbath, some still go and check. What are they seeking to gather? I can identify with Adam and Eve in the garden. I can identify with the Israelites gathering the manna. Because see, I think we constantly struggle with this daily being created, right? And want to be creators. In my own life and discernment, I did not want daily bread. I wanted weekly bread. I wanted monthly bread. I wanted like five-year plan bread, right? <laughs> it's just all gonna work out, right? Check, check, check. And so really it was this not being a recipient of the day, but being a creator and a maker of the day. As I was preparing for this talk, it was actually a, a huge gift to me because for a long time there's something I've misunderstood. I thought that the human tendency to want to reach beyond the present moment, to either reach into the past or reach into the future, I thought that that tendency in us was to try to be like God. And when I was sitting and preparing, 
I realized, I think I'm wrong. Like when I looked carefully at what theology professors had taught me and philosophy professors had taught me, they taught me that God is an eternal now. And so I'm not trying to be like God when I reach into the past or grasp at the future. I'm actually ceasing to live according to the gift of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, right? So when I'm in the present moment and I'm in daily bread, that's when I'm living according to the gift of the Savior because he's conforming us into his likeness because God is an eternal now. There is no past, no future. It's eternal now. Something else came to my mind. I was sitting with... um, my superior general in my congregation doing my first visitation with her one day. And um, at the end of our visitation, I said to her mother, what is your hope or concern for the youngest members of our community, of our congregation? And she said, I'm very concerned that young people don't understand the nature of commitment. And she said, I think that you sometimes think that once a commitment is no longer emotionally pleasing to you, you move on to the next thing. And she was a pretty wise, she's a pretty wise woman because what she was speaking of is our kind of like our YOLO, you only live once, you do you girl, right? <laughs> Get yours, right? If it's pleasing to you, do it. Relativism, sentimentality, emotionalism. She knew what she was talking about. I gave a vocation talk once and it must have been a huge failure because this young woman asked me at the end of it, sister, when you're done being a sister, what will you do next? Right? And shortly after, um, shortly after my, my superior general had that conversation with me, I saw this quote from St. Pope John Paul II. And it says, the person who does not decide to love forever will find it very difficult to really love for even one day. So what is discernment? We have this God who's offering us an eternal now provided we feed on his word today. An eternal now provided we feed on his word today. There is um, something I read in a book once that it's one of the most life-changing things I've ever heard. And it said it's actually not appropriate to say I have a personal relationship with God. It's actually more appropriate to say I am a personal relationship with God. And that if God stopped for a single moment relating to me and speaking to me and being in conversation with me, I would cease to exist. So that literally every breath I'm taking is relationship with God. What if we discerned that? What would our church look like if we discerned that? And like, you know, it's not just in times of formal prayer, right? I love, absolutely love really fabulous and, you know, high, glorious, you know, beautiful-looking masses. I love all of that, and I'm an adventurous person, so when you give anxious seminarians and young altar boys and long cassocks open flames, I'm like, what's going to happen, right? (laughs) Something's about to happen, okay? I love all that, right? But the profoundness of the conversation when those flames go out and we divest, the profoundness of the conversation does not cease right? The ministerial priesthood and the altar that the priest makes sacrifice on, there's a relationship between that and the common priesthood and the altar of sacrifice of our daily lives. I believe God has something to say about this day every single day. 
And I believe he's providing for this day every single day. And so then the question is, what prevents us from discerning that? Another story came to mind. Um, I was in RCIA, and I was getting ready to choose my saint. And I just, I like being fabulous, right? So it was obvious. God's like, Cecilia, Cecilia, Cecilia. And I'm like, no, I want one of those fabulous ones that nobody knows so I can like educate people, right? <laughs> Tell them. And so I hesitated for a long time to choose Cecilia, but finally I was obedient to the spirit. And as I wrote the reflection for that, a song came to mind. It was the first solo that I had sang in, at Baptist church when I was 10. And the lyrics of the solo were, speak to my heart, Lord, give me your holy word. If I can hear from you, then I'll know what to do. I don't go alone, I never go on my own. Let your spirit guide and let your word abide. And so that morning when I walked in with that essay, our RCIA director would always play music before we started, and that gospel song was playing on the CD player. And I disintegrated into a heap of tears. <laughs> and I went and called my sponsor, and I told her what was happening. And she said, in not so many words, she basically said, it's scary how interested God is in our daily life, how much he has to say. Uh, one of the sisters, she loves to study Hebrew. And she was teaching me once um, some Old Testament teaching. And she said that this uh, understanding of being the apple of God's eye is actually not the best translation. She says, when you look carefully at the Hebrew, it's more like the little man in God's eye. Uh, the little man in God's eye. So his eye is so fixed on us that we become like a reflection in his eye. Um, what if we discerned that? The other night I had the opportunity to participate in a Eucharistic processional. And um, you know, I was there as a kind of like an adult among young people. So I think sometimes us in ministry we like to think this is for the kids, it's not for me, you know. <laughs> um, but as the blessed sacrament came near to me, this was not for the kids, this was for me. The Lord was here for me today um, in the bread of the Eucharist. And the prayer in that moment became this almost like a litany of encounters with Jesus in the blessed sacrament. It's just all of this over time, this slow game, right? Day by day providing. Don't know what's coming tomorrow, but day by day providing. And so what's the challenge? What's the challenge? If we're in this constant conversation with God, how about we not discern religious life, priesthood, married life? What if we instead discerned that? this ongoing daily conversation, this ongoing providence, this ongoing world around us permeated with this conversation with God. I know I don't need to challenge y'all to innovate um, for a number of reasons. One, most of you are American, so <laughs> we're gonna innovate, that's what we do. I don't need to challenge you to innovate. We're American, we love the church. I know that you're gonna fight for the church. I know that, I know that. My hope is that you will innovate from the inside out. That you will innovate from the inside out and live as called people, as vocational people. What would our priesthood look like then? What would our families look like then? What would our consecrated and religious life look like then? If every day we fed on the word of God, every day we believe that today's bread is enough, until one day 
we walk as a reconciled people into the eternal now. Thank you. Thank you.